did these did these make sense some of these notes or did you not even read them because you didn't prep at all even though i prepped for us oh i'm a professional i don't prep okay i'm present mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i stay present you feel me I'm ready for any and everything at all times. You're fucking never ready. <laughs> you did. You did. Never ready. Mm-hmm. Like that's the biggest lie you've told. I'm always ready Mm-mm. because I'm never ready. I'm ever ready. <gasps> To another episode of Dive in Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I am Delma Jackson. I'm Shandine Garcia, and today we're going to talk with one of my most favorite people in the entire world, Jonah Canner. We are so excited that he agreed to come on the pod and can't wait to dive in. So you and I just checked in last week and dropped an episode. So it hasn't been too much time between that time and this time. Um, What's going on with you? I am trying my best to keep a positive attitude (laughs) at the start of the school year. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what area is he going to go and do? Positive attitude around work, positive attitude around kids, positive attitude around family, positive attitude around, like, where where are you going with this? This time of year is just always a lot. Um, Getting the kids back into a routine means getting myself back into a routine, and I don't like it. I like the summer, feeling footloose and fancy free and not having to get up as early and not having to um, drive all over the place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I spent like 45 minutes the other day filling out this whole ass packet of paperwork for my son to start at this new school. And I'm glad he's at this school. I really wanted him there. But I kind of regretted it when they handed me that packet. It was like, we need you to fill this up. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just take you back to the other school. <laughs> <laughs> the effort is too much. <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, I've never, I feel like I had never signed my name or wrote my address that many times in a row in my life. Or at least you should have a house at the end of it. Something. Something to show for my effort other than him getting his education. That ain't enough. Like, <laughs> I, I need something. <laughs> After all this, this isn't about him. <laughs> right. Fuck your education. <laughs> what am I getting? Somebody should have me some keys to something. After all it is. It's a college prep school. It's on a college campus. And that gives him a certain kind of exposure that I want for him. And I'm hoping it'll motivate him. Plus, it's a more challenging institution. Um, so I'm excited about that for him. So there's that. And then just the root, getting back into the routine is always a bit of a struggle, I think, for everybody in this house. But we always get there by December. 
ish. So only only six months of hell. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so yeah, that's that's the time of year it is. That's the probably the biggest thing up for me right now. Um, but then there's there's these other pieces that are um in the rotation as well. Um, I have, you had mentioned uh, the passing of your Aunt Emma. I think I shared with you, I have an Aunt Emma who's transitioning right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've gotten out to see her a couple of times. And as I've sat with her, she's been asleep 99.9% of the time. Um, And she's in her mid-90s. And um, <clears throat> I was sharing with my son this story of her taking me when I was in middle school, about his age, middle school, high school, early high school. I just had this flashback. I had forgotten all about this. My uh, cousin and I uh, had gone with her. She was one of the few people in the immediate vicinity um, of my family that were into a few things other than Christianity as a practice Mm. and so I remember her picking me up my parents didn't tell me nothing she didn't say much I hop in the car with her and my cousin which is her uh, son and she takes us to see a Reiki practitioner how old are you again? I'm like 14 I don't know shit about Reiki all I know (laughs) is I got this white woman whose like hand is hovering around my body (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your 14 year old mind has no schema to I like latch no, on to i have nothing to latch on to and <laughs> nobody telling me shit so we drive out to a suburb of flint like half an hour outside the city and now i just got this like we're in this like woodsy cabin-esque kind of environment and I got this white woman hand hovering all over and I'm just like hey all right like the only reason I think I didn't totally lose my shit was um there was something meditative in the in the process and in the practice and in the environment that I was accustomed to from karate for 10 years and at that time I was still in karate and so I'm like it's close enough like let's just let me just go with this you know um, so we did that for an hour. We hop in the car. She takes me home. But as we pull into the driveway, um, there was a young man standing in my parents' front lawn with a gun surrounded by about 10 people. And he's waving a gun at all of them, obviously telling them to stay, step back, step off. All right. And so we see that as we are pulling up to the house, and um, I'm thinking all kinds of shit, and I'm wondering what my aunt is going to do. At this time, she's got to be in her probably 60s. She proceeds to just go ahead and pull up in the driveway. She parks the car, turns around, tells me and Will, my cousin, she's like, y'all stay in the car. She gets out the car. <laughs> Cuts through the crowd of guys, walks up to my man with the gun and like stands next to him and is like, y'all got to go. 
Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't care. But y'all can't do this right here. And they left. And she comes back to the car like, all right, y'all, come on. And me and my <laughs> no cousin deal. just looking at each other like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> we went from Reiki to the OK Corral. And she like good either way. <laughs> Whatever. She can do all of it. All of it. It's all, all in her. She said, I am every woman. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that memory just came up for me as I'm sitting there, you know, and I, I shared that with my son. And he was wide-eyed. And I'm like, so imagine how we felt, you know. Um, And my parents, I don't think she even told my parents what happened. And my parents didn't know they were in the house or whatever. Um, I don't even know if she told them. So the the person on on your lawn was unrelated to your family or stuff. It just happened to be the location. It just happened to be. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. We didn't know any of them. Um, Yeah. So that. Plus a million other stories. It's just a reminder of her, her fierceness. And it wasn't just her though, right? It was like, I think just the generation that she, you know, um, that she was a part of. Like she has seven siblings, my grandmother being one of them. Um, She's the last one. And um, the men died fairly young. The women lived usually into their 90s. Um, but, yeah, I mean, their father was the one I told you about that that started a school for black kids mm-hmm. in, in Mississippi. And, you know, like they lived with the house getting shot at mm-hmm. by white neighbors and whatever. So, yeah, there was just a built-in sort of toughness. Um, and so as she moves into that that pantheon with some of my other ancestors. I'm just thinking about what it means to embody that sort of fierceness um, in myself. Um, And how do I impart that um, and be that for the people in my life? How do I show up in that driveway for the people in my life? You know? One... Um, we just need to have every episode be about Aunt Emma. So let's just start there. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, two, I wonder, you said built-in fierceness. Um, sometimes I struggle with the, I don't want to have to be fierce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about the stories that we shared with our kids um, and what we're, we're sharing them out of a sense of like, of pride and look how badass this person was or mm-hmm. look what they and look at how amazing they were in the face of and what they dealt with. And I think about how my children, it took them a bit for them to navigate, like thinking that, that their identity was connected to that sure. or needed to be right. And mm-hmm. so they felt less native or less Chicana or less because they didn't have a childhood marked with needing to be fierce. And it took, and I'm sure they're still processing it, but it's taken them some time to actually acknowledge that one, they don't have to be in two. It doesn't take away from their identity if they don't have these experiences that are 
so um, extreme. Yeah, yeah. Um, I struggle with this too. Um, I my children were raised in communities that were safe as fuck relative to where I grew up. And I wanted that for them. That's why I raised them where I did. And there is a what I perceive as a sort of, um, there's no street wisdom because there's no exposure. Why would there be? And I think about, I wonder sometimes, and I process this with friends of mine who are all, because all of us that went to school together or whatever, grew up together, we're all pretty much raising kids in very different environments than the ones we grew up in. And we call that success. And we look at our kids and we're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so is there, is there a sweet spot? Yeah. Right. Is there some, is, is it ideal to raise my babies with some level of trauma and violence around them so that they're tough, but not completely like, engulfed in the bullshit and how does one navigate that or do I just raise you out in these other safer environments where you don't seem at least on the outside to be as resilient and as watchful and observant and some of the skills you pick up when you don't take your safety for granted the way they do I don't know the answer to that I don't either. I will say, um, I will say they're listening to us more deeply than we think they are. Sure. Um, which always throws me, you know, my son has got, my older son has got an incident, had an incident at work where he had, um, there was some terrorism at his workplace and mm-hmm. he had to figure mm-hmm. out how to navigate it. And he pulled all the stuff from my life, all the stuff from his father's life. And he had it down like mm-hmm. He knew if he was going to have to go to this event where they were going to be coming for them. I mean, he, he wasn't targeted specifically, but the, but the indigenous people where he was going to be were, and, and, and his org was a target. And it was like, yep, I know there's gas in the car. I know to wear shoes that are tied. I know to wear, like, have the vehicle position so I could get an, a quick exit. Like he had all of that down, which I'm all, holy shit, dude, listening to listening. Mm-hmm. Part of... And that and that I that was important to me to know that at least they were listening. So they're hearing the Aunt Emma stories for what whatever it does to their psyche. I know they're taking it in. The other thing that I think I struggle with is um, I keep thinking for all of the wrong reasons, like listeners judge the shit out of me. um, (laughs) I personally. Can bootstrap them out of ever needing to have to be fierce in this way. Like that, that I, if I just try hard and work hard and uh, that they'll never have to feel. And I was wrong Mm -hmm. because it takes so many generations. And so when something massive happened in the family that I just could not protect them from, Mm -hmm. and I had to pull them into it, I didn't have to pull them into it. They were in it, but I had to navigate with them. They were so angry with me. Mm. It in a right way. They were so angry. They were like, "You cannot protect us from this. Mm. And you've raised us to be able to figure out how to navigate this. Don't 
put us in a particular box because of whatever happened to you. Mm. We're with you. We are you. So stop. And Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, Delma, it was brutal. It took me months to recover from, I mean, I like getting my kids therapists and like making commitments to each other. And I don't, I wish there was a fucking way (laughs) that we can both protect them and imbue in them or embed in them. I don't have the right verb. Um, Aunt Emma's fierceness, but fierceness from with it that's like that embodies a level of freedom and sovereignty versus a level of terror and survival. Yeah, yeah. I just don't know how to do it. There's no Man, guarantee that you're going to make it right now. Yeah. yeah you're exactly. fucking black man in Flint. Jesus fuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So if anybody, any listeners have an answer. Yeah. Hook us go up. Ahead and, <laughs> go ahead. Just solve this shit for us, please. <laughs> for real. What's going on with you? thing that's kind of um, in my, in my mind these days is uh, I know I know people I know there's smarter articles out there and smarter stuff out there on why we shouldn't be using the word imposter syndrome or we shouldn't be and I, because it grants a premise and I can't remember the fucking shit around it so I'm just gonna use it and listeners give me a hard time because I'm a lazy scholar apparently in this regard um, I have been feeling super uh, inadequate I've, I've been feeling like a fraud lately there is this concept that um, you and I, Delma, were learning. Oh, no, I don't think you were on that call. Um, We're getting some coaching from a brilliant, amazing uh, social justice warrior. And she's talking about the difference between decolonization and anti-racist work. And I love what she's talking about. I'm not going to get into it right now because it's real. It's really it's nuanced and, and hard to to talk about in a in a small amount of time. But what it's doing for me is making me feel like now I need to go be more current and all the latest stuff on decolonization mm. mm-hmm. and the anxiety I'm feeling around it is fucking insane. I've ordered like. 10 books, 10, I'm not even like probably more than 10, um, in the past week and a half since I, since she, since she dropped this knowledge down and the franticness I feel around shit, I got to work, but damn it, I got to read this shit. I got to put together the house, but damn it. I got to know that I have to know this. I have to know this, especially to be able to like, I've got a, I've got a very difficult client who I am um, honored 
to be working with. And I need them to understand the concept of land in Indian country. I, they have to. Not for me, but for, you know, sovereign humans. They have to, for humanity. They have to know this. And I feel like that means I have to be fucking smarter than I am right now. And I'm, I can't sleep. I'm eating terribly. I like the, the, um, I, I feel like a fraud if I don't know enough in order to meet this need that the world is asking me to provide and I don't want to fail. And now if I were to say this out loud, I already know Jonah's listening to this. I already know what's in his head. I already know what like my beloveds are going to say to me and it's still not enough. It's not enough. It's going to like help me and coach me a little bit and maybe talk my frantic of, you know, if my frantic, if there's a scale of one to 10 and my urgent frantic imposter shit is at a 15, it'll, they'll talk me down to about a seven slash eight. And it's just bugging the shit out of me, man. Can I assume that your voracious reading, your academic and career success was driven in part by this neurosis you're describing right now? Is that fair? I would say it is 80% that and Mm -hmm. 80% um, wanting to uh, be in right relationship with my father. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know that doesn't add up to 100. <laughs> I said that purposely. And I think um, 20%, I just crave learning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want to do good. You want to be in right relationship with the planet you you walk on. Yeah. Yeah. So we take something that is um, a real vocation, right, a real passion, and combine it with a very real neurosis, and we get a successful career. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a constant sense of imposter syndrome that drives you to continuously improve and, can, and to keep learning. And produces <laughs> excessive amounts of cortisol. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. Yeah. backache and lack of sleep mm-hmm. and unhealthy body shit Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah yeah no you when that's such a big driver you're going to pay a a a physical psychological spiritual price right yeah and you know all of this yes right i teach Um, all of this yeah yeah, yeah, i just know it like we teach this we work to embody this we work to say here's what you should not be doing I have a two-part prescription for you. Okay? You ready for this? I'm scared. You should be. (laughs) You need... If it's not edibles and alcohol. (laughs) You need testosterone and edibles. (laughs) That's that's what you need. You need some testosterone to to teach you how to say fuck it a little more. Yeah. Right. I get it. Um, 
you the, grant yourself the premise. And I'm glad you have some, and I've said this to you uh, before, right? And you name it when you say, you know, Jonah's listening and I already know what he's going to say. I imagine most of the people that love you, um, estrogen or testosterone to varying degrees in each of us are all often going to tell you the same thing, which is like, you know, kind of ease off of yourself a little bit, like give it, cut yourself some slack. It's okay. You're fine. Um, and if all we can get you down to is in seven, eight from 15, we'll take it because we love you. Um, I wish I knew how to get you down to fucking this about a two or three. Like, I don't know that shit, but I'll learn as I go. Um, have you thought about inviting the person you're working with into learning with you? I have. Um, I I feel like... Like, yes. Yes, yes. And we need to pay her. <laughs> to learn with you? Yeah. She's not free. She's a client of yours, but you need to pay her? I don't understand. No, 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 no. The person who just taught us this knowledge... Is someone who she needs to get paid for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We would need the to difficult pay her. client though. Yeah, but that would like the difficult client is um, again who I like. Should the client ever be listening? Um, it, it is a, it is a and I'm not exaggerating. It is a real honor and a privilege to be working with this client okay. and. They're at like base level. I'm mm-hmm. trying to. So let me let me draw the parallel, which you may have to cut out of this episode because it may go too far. Do you remember how um, when we were talking about organizational strategy and innovation at mm-hmm. where we worked, a, a practice that you and I were leading? I had a methodology that I wasn't revealing. I had uh, I had a, a theory of change that I was waiting to for the group to have this big aha, and mm-hmm. you were like, "No, no, no! I don't need the big aha. I need to know now." And once you once you realized where I was going with it, all the things fell into place. Mm-hmm. It's going to take this client a good two to three years before that falls into place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Yeah. I need to know it now and I need to know now so I can help scaffold that for them. And my worry is the content that I knew that I have with me, Mm -hmm. it needs to be updated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would suggest in the meantime, um, if you haven't already, it may be worth acknowledging exactly where you feel like you are like so what you're sharing here naming that with said client could be helpful just a thought there is um a transparency in that that i think begs permission for patients from the client while you sort this out? I will say abashedly, not unabashedly, I know that I can't do that yet, but I know what I can do. 
And so I appreciate you stating this because I'm going to scaffold myself. So what I did yesterday, and I was proud of myself because I made a note to do it, is I talked to my, you know, one of my beloved teams and just named it, just told them yesterday morning. I was like, there's this concept I'm struggling with. I need y'all's help with it. Like I need us to talk about it. I need this. And we, and we did. We did yesterday morning for uh, like an hour trying to, to, to get at it. And the, the funny thing is one of the people on the call, my sister, Lori, was like, we talked about this for two hours, Shandine. Like you, you broke it down for me. Like you understood it. I was like, no, I still really didn't. Like I, let's push and let's talk more about it. So, so I did. I, I made a note to say you have to tell your your crew of humans what you're grappling with and why, mm-hmm. which I, I don't always. And I was proud of myself. I think there's an in between step before I go to the client, and I think mm-hmm. that's my internal team. Um, okay. Because it's not just me working with a client. It's, sure. It's um, this crew. I've been trying to teach them and share with them the stuff that I that I know, but I haven't been telling them here is where I'm I'm struggling in the context of decall. Um, and I think they would I think they'd be good about it. I hadn't thought of that until you said it. I don't think I can I don't think I can go there with the client just yet. I mean, we're talking like hardcore one oh one. Sure. Um, no, but but I can with the right. team, and I think that's really good advice. I think I could fill that prescription. I don't know that I could fill the prescription on 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 the testosterone. And for our listeners, so so they know where Delma's going with this. Is I'll tell Delma all the time. I'm like, don't you worry about blah blah. Nope, nope. <laughs> I let that shit go. I do not have the level of pressure. Like as a man, we just don't have that fucking pressure that is put on women. Uh-huh. And he's not. And he didn't say like you are not saying that meanly. You're saying that to validate mm-hmm. the shit that women have to navigate mm-hmm. and the pressure mm-hmm. the the pressure that's on me in this gendered context is 10 times the pressure that's on you mm-hmm. in, in a context and with gender yeah it's a trip that you get permission to be this both the smartest and the dumbest in the room I swear to fucking god man you get to be both interchangeably all the time and then be seen as fucking adorable for it like yes. yeah every time i'm I'm stupid everybody's like, so cute yeah every time i'm stupid they're like see you're not as fucking see, smart as you yeah that's like, why you shouldn't be in the room with us yep all yeah. the fucking yeah. time i mean yeah. almost people almost say that to you mm-hmm. I, I can it. predict it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the second i show i don't know this that trust goes so fucking down i'm judged so fucking fast yeah yeah. And so you and I walking into a client space sounds like the beginning of a joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a man and a woman walk into a space. And, yeah. 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 This yeah. indigenous woman and this black dude walking a bar, you know, it's like, God damn it. Here we go. Um, yeah. No, that's real. When we come back, we are going to introduce our homeboy, lifelong. Ride or die. Day one. Jonah. Canner. Stay tuned. We're excited to bring him to you. Excited to have him join us. We'll be right back.
Thank you for giving Diamond Justice a listen. We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have. If you're digging the pod, there are a couple things you can do to show your support. First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time. And every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together. The second thing you can do and should do is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us, listeners. Um, we are beyond excited, as I said, to have uh, Jonah Canner with us. I'm going to read you a couple lines from his bio. Um, and then maybe share a story. I have to think about it for a second. But one of the things that I love about his bio is um, the truth of the first sentence. And it's, Jonah Canner is an ambassador from the world we have not yet built. Hmm. And I cannot think of a truer statement. One of the things that um, we do in, in the work together is um, is work on, and he does this every single time, inviting people to breathe. And it's funny because he'll say, I can't believe I get paid to tell people to breathe. And I think he has an idea of why that's important, but I don't think he knows the magnitude of what that offers people Mm -hmm. with the gentle invitation to breathe. There's, um, this story isn't necessarily funny, but I, I really love it because it, it also, um, reveals the depth of Jonah's practice. We, um, with the team, launched a racial justice institute. And when we were in our first, our, our, the beginning stages of it, and we were meeting weekly for an hour to plan everything out, we would do check-ins with each other. And we would say, like, how are you doing? And go around the team. And there were six of us. And our check-ins were lengthy. They were like the check-ins you and I do, Delma. And I was getting worried because we couldn't get to the work. I wanted to, I'm like, okay, like this is all great and everything, but we got to plan agendas. We got to secure speakers. We've got to like set the Zooms up. We need the facilitator agenda. We need the participant. We're like in my head. And I said to him, this is great. And maybe we do these check-ins every other week, or maybe we take turns and like, we'll do like three of us can check in on the first Tuesday and the other three on the second, and we'll do some sort of rotating. And one of our design principles is rooted in relationship. And Jonah said, no, (laughs) he said, no, he was like, maybe, maybe let's just keep trying and let's see if we can accomplish both. And he didn't mean accomplish both as in one is the work and the other isn't the work. I think he was just gently trying to say, like, give it just a, like, just be a little bit more patient. Mm-hmm. And it, um, and he was right. And so his dedication to 
these principles aren't just about a pedagogy of the work. It's the pedagogy he lives as a human. And so um, it's no surprise that anyone who enters his orb feels seen, held, and pushed with the level of rigor and integrity that few people know how to do while also being given the invitation to breathe. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, is only one of the amazing facets of the wonder that is Jonah Kanner. My man, Jonah. Welcome. Woo. Thank you. Yeah, I was, um, real quick, I was looking at your bio and um, noticed you had done some work in um, Canada that I didn't know anything about. Um, how long have you been a communist? <laughs> um, at least three generations. Yes, that is the, that is the correct answer. That is the correct answer. All right, I guess we can go ahead and have you on the show. <laughs> welcome, 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 Jonah. Thanks. Man, it's good to have you here. Appreciate it. We shouldn't have had to beg you so much to come on the show, though. It's fucked up. I've just been waiting. I've been like, these people that haven't called me to ask me to come on yet. What's going on with that? (laughs) (laughs) So I was starting to take it personal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, man. Um, No, it's it's good to have you um, here. And I know um, met you through Shandine and... Has ha- I've had the opportunity to know you now for uh, a few years and um, always enjoy being in the same space with you. Always enjoy um, both the work you do, but also the side conversations we've had over the years. Mm-hmm. Always been really good for me as well. Um, so it's been long overdue to have you here. So thanks, 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 thanks for coming for sure. Well, Jonah, as you know, because you are an avid uh, supporter um listener dive in justice listener which um i so appreciate because you also helped talk me down a cliff when i think we've gone too far um <laughs> you know that this season three um we have a particular meta theme yeah. and that the meta theme is uh is the idea of the trade-off people make or don't make around our values and capitalism and so before we get started, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what you do, and then um, maybe you can or we can guide you toward where you're actually walking that line between living these values and paying your bills and eating and making a living. Yeah. Um, well, well, I, well, I tell people to breathe. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> which we established. Um, no, when I, when I think about what I do, this is a, this is like, um, this is one of those like easy questions. That's really hard to answer. Sometimes it's like the first question that people ask you, it's like, you go to like a family reunion and everybody's like, so what do you do? And, um, and then I'm talking to them for like 15 minutes and, uh, and then I hear back from like another cousin that they still didn't really understand. So um, I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm going to try to do it as simply as possible. Um, I work in education broadly is what I say, um, facilitation, design, um, 
in schools, with schools, with summer camps, with organizations, uh, with communities. But when I think about what it is that I do, in addition to the like encouraging people to breathe, um, I, I like to to design spaces where um, we're creating the conditions for transformation to be possible. Um, and so it's it's for me living in that intersection of the space between structure and personal, right? So it's about creating spaces where people are getting to have these transformational experiences. And so it's a really on the personal level of change work, but, but, I, but I do it through and, and, and with teams, right? Like we all just did one together, um, but creating spaces where it can happen and it's, and it's happening through the structures we're putting in place. So through these design principles that we talk about and, and creating um, structures that allow for the design principles to come through so people are having collective experiences and also personal transformation. So what I'm going to say to you is what my father would say to you. Yeah. I can't tell that to my neighbor. Sure. I can't say my daughter's bestie uses design principles to create transformative moment. Like, and while telling people to, he's going to be like, that, that doesn't do shit for me. Help. Like so sure. imagine you're talking to my father's neighbor. Yeah. Um, I help people imagine how we might be living differently. That's it. How do you do that and get paid? How do you put a price on that? Are people like, oh, I'll give you minimum wage to help me do live my life better so I can do the work that I feel like I'm called to in the world? Yeah. I mean, for a really long time, I didn't um, know how to do it. You know, I, I, um, I didn't. I spent about 10 years not getting paid for any of it and then finding like little things to do on the side to just like barely uh, make enough money um, in part because I didn't know, I didn't have any models. I didn't see any models of people doing this. And in part because I didn't know that anybody um, like valued it enough to pay for it. Everybody was like, Oh, that's such good work. It's so sweet what you're doing. You're so dedicated and passionate, but um but I'm going to go do my job now. But <laughs> Patronizingly patting you on the head like, you're, yeah. you're very pretty. Very, yeah. very nice. <laughs> Give our listeners a concrete example, whether it be supporting the camps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or sure. white educator course or RJ or in schools, just like a concrete example. And then what the work asks and why it's hard to name a price to that. Yeah. Um. So I have two like current stories actually that are relevant to this exact week and they're in different places. One of them is um, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a job that I have the opportunity to do. Um, And the, and the, and the value, and I've done it once before. Cause I was like, let me see if this is a thing that bringing me on to do a facilitation piece. Um, and the values of the organization 
are really not in alignment with me. And it's not, they're not, it's not bad. It's not something that I like think is like uh, bad for the world, but it's something that doesn't feel to me like it's in my full integrity to show up in that space. And I can like bring all of myself, right? It's, it's a really shallow, it's a shallow community. It doesn't have a political lens. It doesn't have a justice orientation. And um, and in this moment where I just came off of a really big project, um, I don't feel financially strapped. And so I'm able to choose not to do it. But I know that in other moments when I am feeling like, oh, I don't actually know what the next few months are going to be. I don't know if I've made my year yet. Um, then I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and, and that's a, and that's like a tension in a dance that, that, that I, that I do play and, and have to play a lot. And, and another friend of mine is in the same dance and is saying, yes, I'll do this job because right now I need it. Um, and, and so that's one of the things that's always, um, that's always up that negotiation of like, what's my line, what's my, you know, line in the sand. And, and the thing about lines in the sand is that the tide comes and it wipes it out and you got to draw it again. So depending on the context, depending on what my specific situation in the moment is, that line is going to be maybe closer to the shore or further from it. Um, and so that's a, that's a struggle um, and a challenge of doing, of doing this. That reminds me of a conversation um, Shandine and I had not too long ago about the the price of integrity, mm-hmm. the privilege of integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think what I'm hearing you say is is speaking to that idea in the sense that, yeah, so if I'm coming off of something big... I can see myself sustained for the foreseeable future, then I can afford to be a little more picky about what I take on and, and what I don't. Yeah. Right. What I put up with <laughs> and what I and what I don't. Yeah. Right. And that's real. And I'm wondering <clears throat> that's that's one thing, the decision to engage or not on the front end. So a follow-up question I have for you is when you're in the midst of it, you've already made the commitment, you've already signed the contract, mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm. already jumped in, you're already engaging. And then something comes up that challenges your values that feels unaligned, etc. as it's bound to do if given enough time. Um, I'm wondering, have you ever, Because I imagine like the instinct is to try to lean in or what have you. And I imagine there's a range of responses any one of us might have. You might lean in. I'm curious if you've ever up and left. Mm. And if so, what was it about that particular moment that made you decide, you know what, I'm done? If you ever have. 
the the one that the the story that comes up is um is not about me up and leaving but is about kind of being fired from a job for not um for for not for both not up and leaving and not um like giving in so uh myself and another dear friend of ours um were working with this school and it was during like zoom world it was during the like height of everything's on zoom all the schools are having all their professional development on on zoom they're back in session in person but they're like working with us on zoom and um and we were doing um restorative justice coaching and working with the school to build a, a restorative justice practice and that work in and of itself is fraught for me all the time because the depth that it requires to actually with integrity bring restorative justice into a school setting is um, it's a really high bar and there's a really low taste for it in the structures. And so we have to come in kind of knowing that we're already compromising and what's our level, like what's the threshold where we won't like go beyond. And usually it's around this kind of idea of, what does it mean to train someone up to be able to do it, right? And schools are like, just train a couple of our teachers and they'll just do it. And and we're mm-hmm. like, no, we want to get in all the way. And so we've been working with this school for a year. And they wanted us to just say that their, that their staff would be trained up and that um, we would just do a session and have them be trained. And we refused to do it but instead we kept on saying like we're actually going to bring this conversation to the staff we want to have a conversation with the staff so that they're involved in the process so that they hear all of the pieces and then and the um principal and assistant principal basically like wrote us an email that was like thanks just don't you don't have to come back and fulfill the contract requirements anymore we're good and we had like three sessions left with them and they were like no Uh just don't come back we're good (laughs) you're actually causing more trouble amongst our staff Uh than you are getting them to be compliant with the thing that we want to do so so yeah peace (laughs) and it was in it it was in an email that was like trying to word it in a way that we like didn't do a thing you know, because they couldn't, they couldn't mm. just say like, you, "We don't like what you're doing." Um, but, mm-hmm. but that was the, but that was a very clear, clear message. How recent was that? Was that pre or post, um, like shutdown, uh, George Floyd? Oh no, it was it was after that because it was it would have had to have been twenty twenty one would have been the in the, the twenty. 2020 2021 school year because they were in person what was the name of the school and the principal <laughs> who made this decision <laughs> no i i have been let go um i've been fired a couple times either because i couldn't shut up about something that was bothering me 
um, or the sort of expediency that people expect from this sort of work that is transformational and the the sort of timelines people expect us to work under. So when I go back to what you were naming at the beginning, right, when Shandine was asking you about pricing and people are like, oh, that work you do is so important. Pat on the head. Thanks for coming in. They make no offer whatsoever to compensate you. And when you're good at what you do and you make it look easy, people assume it's easy and that they can do it. And that's part of the expediency expectation, I think. Right. Um, And so there's a bit of a conundrum. At what point did you abandon the principles of communism and go full blown (laughs) capitalistic? At what point, how did you come into understanding your value and the value of what, what it is you offer? Um, well, well, I'll say a thing that we always talk about. Um, I I had to get there, not by myself. Like I could not get there alone. There was no way I was going to get there alone. It, Mm -hmm. it, it took be, be coming into relationship with other people. Um, Shandine for sure. Others who we work with to to recognize it um as not just a me thing but to see the pattern of it to see the the collective experience of it when i understood it as just a me thing i was like oh it's just a me thing i gotta figure it out by myself right but then seeing that Mm -hmm. this is a common thing another friend of ours who is like even worse than i am at pricing his value i was like oh I see that you're not pricing your value at all. And so me, Oh, and then it, and then that actually opens up for me of like, Oh, maybe I'm not pricing my value because like we're right. Like there's a little bit of that. And so, and so part of it, um, part of it is definitely like in the community, having the conversations, moving into the conversation of like, wait, what do you charge actually for doing this? What should I charge? What are people paying? It's all because of the like way that capitalism works like all these companies in their like HR policy violence things, right. Have like, you're not allowed to talk about how much you make with anybody else. And it's like, that's just to keep us isolated from each other. That's just to make it so that we, we can, we get stuck in our own feelings of inadequacy um, and don't ask for more money. So I think it's definitely been in talking with other people about it and having those open conversations and saying, Shandine, I have no idea what to charge for this. What should I charge? Right. Um, what are people even paying and having those conversations? I've been able to see like, Oh, that's the, to use the capitalist term, that's the market rate right now. Okay, great. (laughs) Let's, then let's say that. Um, and that, and that, and that, and the feeling that I'm not doing it just for me. So like, the communism comes back, right? Because it, I don't feel like I'm doing it just for me. I'm not asking for more money just for me, right? Like we're in, we're involved in a conversation right now where there's a rate that I was offered that is lower than it should be. And if it's just for me, I'm like, you know what? Okay, that's a rate that I can handle for this work. I'm cool with that. But if I'd say yes to it, what's the precedent I'm setting for this company that wants to hire me 
what am I saying about the value of this work? If they're paying this at a lower rate than they might play other things, what is what am I setting up the next person who they bring in to to be making if they're in a position where they actually need to be making more than I am? So all of those things are are buzzing through my head as I'm trying to figure all this out. I sometimes feel like we're granting a premise too. And so there's a weird premise that exists in the economic world. I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to get the term wrong. So I don't know, economists who are listening, uh, fucking school me. I don't know. But it has to do with when something is higher priced, people think it's more valuable, mm-hmm. whether or not it is. And so I will like bid or make proposals with that in mind. I'm like, I need them to see the value and I know they're going to see it if I'm a little bit more expensive than this, but I also know they may not be able to afford it. So then I have to go a little bit lower and I'm, and I'm doing this whole thing. And now let me be clear. I like getting the money. Like I would like to be a good communist, but I'm actually an embarrassing capitalist who is, who's mortified and ashamed of the capitalist tendencies. You're a little more on the other side because you live a, a almost an even more simpler life. Like what you want to purchase isn't 17 more pairs of shoes like I do. You want a nice sturdy backpack for travel so that you can do all the work that you want to do. And I'm not saying you're you're perfect. No, like, I want like three or four like... backpacks because they all have different purposes. <laughs> so like I'm yes. Yes. For yes. Sure. Um and I know there are things that you like and you'd spoil yourself with, sure. Um interestingly though, most of the stuff that you spoil yourself around is um really important care for yourself so that you can continue the work, right? So why you took two or three weeks off to go hiking is to restore yourself so you can still be doing this or why you go to retreats is like, and why you pay a high dollar value for that matter. So, or why I go to get Reiki done uh, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Why you get white people putting their hands all over your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. You live in that good life. (laughs) I'm wondering if you could lean in a little bit to thinking of, to helping um, our listeners and maybe help us to make sense of why it's so hard to price the deliverables. So in some route, it's like a deliverable is you're going to facilitate a meeting, but the real deliverable is not going to be felt at the end of that meeting. It may not be felt at the end of that year Yeah, is is deeper transformational work of humans to to settle and be in right relationship with their bodies as they navigate the work. You like how do you say, oh yeah, that's definitely worth two hundred an hour for me to you know transform your soul. Um, and when doing it, the methods that people push you to do it are not the methods you want to you you want to you want to do. We were talking about business models. Yeah, it's not a good business model to create the capacity for people to do this themselves. The business models to make yourself like needed all the time so they can keep hiring you back. Right. Indispensable again and again and again. How do you just talk to us about that? Sure. Oh man. Um, A couple of things come up. Um, I mean, the first thing is like, we are in this together. Like we are all in this together. We have to be, there's actually no other choice, right? Like reality says we're in this together. It is a, it is a false narrative that we've been fed forever and ever and ever 
that we're not. And we know it, like all the climate stuff tells us, right? All the New Yorkers who had smoke all summer because of fires that were happening in Canada. It's like cute to be like, oh, the Canadian fires. They're not Canadian fires. They're fires on this land that are creating environmental conditions in other parts of this land, because that is how land and air and environment work. We are all in it together. And so part of it is just like actually believing that. And part of actually believing that is understanding this idea that we talked about a lot, which is nobody is disposable. And, and if we really believe that no one is disposable, then our priority has to be getting everybody's capacity up and supporting everybody's capacity to come up. And, and the kind of false notion in the like economic models of like growth equals um, more opportunity for me to keep doing the same exact thing that I'm doing and getting paid more for it. Like we have to shift our understanding of that, which is like, I'm going to do the thing that I can do now to help you so that you don't need me to do this thing anymore. And then I will figure out the next thing that I need to do. It's kind of Shandine, a little bit like what you were talking about in terms of like, I want to learn the next thing. I want to learn the next thing. I think a lot of us are scared of the fact that we don't know what the next thing will be. And so Uh I figured out the thing that I can do. And so now I'm just going to milk it and try to do it and build an economic model to keep doing the same thing and keep feeding you the same thing over and over again, because then I don't have to keep like living in the fear of the unknown of is the next thing that I figure out going to be as economically valuable to offer to people. And like, I'm terrified of that all the time. <laughs> I'm not not yeah. scared of it. Um, but there, but I think for me, a lot of it is like pushing myself to believe. And again, it's through like our relationships and through being in community with this, that I can actually sit here and say, I believe that the next thing that we figure out to do will work. I believe that we'll find something that is important. And, and that's really hard. Cause I, never could get there on my own. It, um, it reminds me of this phrase that I use with our partners or clients, which is, um, as they get nervous moving to the next thing, I say, uh, you know, I'm like, it's okay. It's the next natural progression. It's all right. We're going to figure that out together. I don't feel that myself. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering, and this may take you in a little bit of a different direction, and I know we've, um, we don't have a ton of time left, but you have a principle that no one is disposable. And you mean no one. Yeah. And I want to invite you to pick the most extreme example. It could be like the actual Nazi who killed one of your family members, or it could be the serial rapist, or it could be the, like, or, or, or let's be a little more um, reasonable, if you will. Um, and think about um, a client who's just fucking mean yeah. and you, it making you crazy or, or a teacher in a building or an administrator in the building. Who's like, fuck that and everything you believe in. Yeah. Are they it could disposable? Be. Go ahead. Yeah, it could be Shandane. It could be me. <laughs> Good. Yeah, we're yeah. going to cut that out. So. <laughs>
And do what with that person? Like you're saying, think of that person. Why are they not disposable? And then what is like, because many people, and I would say, you know, Delma and I included would be like, ah, oh, time for that. For that, like, no, that person, quite frankly, is disposable to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, if you want, if you bring me to the most extreme example, um, like my response is like, I'm not opposed to punching Nazis. Like, like punch a Nazi in the street the idea that they are spewing the 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 thing that's coming and emanating from them the, that stuff lose it get rid of it we don't want it the human inside of that is not disposable so what i would say is like punch a nazi in the street but if you have the opportunity to have them over for dinner and like sit not in the public eye, not where they're getting a platform, not where any of the stuff that they are saying or doing is creating harm, then like, you know, give them a hug and, and try to get them to stop causing so much damage. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so, as I prepare, as we prepare to close out, I think I want to follow up on that. What you've named is something that I really try to live into as often as possible. But there are times where I thought I was there. Mm-hmm. I thought I had the capacity to hold space for people of an extreme view or different worldview or right. I thought I was there. We begin to engage with one another. And as we're engaging, I'm realizing in in real time, I'm not there. Yeah. You looking real disposable right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. depending on which day you catch me, I might go ahead and toss you. So my question is, when you and how do you know? Because my assumption is, and I could be wrong, I'm making the assumption that you don't always have the capacity. Definitely not. You're not always at capacity. How do you know when you're not at capacity? And in the tradition of, you know, you're our first guest this season. So I got to go here. <laughs> How do you know when you're not at capacity? Uh-huh. And when you are at full-blown lack of capacity, what does that look like? Tell me about your bullshit, your petty, your, I didn't get this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I know Petty is <laughs> yes. yes yes yes. I know Petty is from season one, but I swear to God, I want to hear the answer to this question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yes, there are people who get all the way under my skin, and who I don't have time for. I'm not. I'm definitely. How do I know it? I know it. I can feel it. Like I can feel the like. I can feel that like 
chest centered rage animal, right? Like just rising up and, and, and coming in and, and, you know, you know, like the, often I'll walk away, but often I won't. And, or, or sometimes I won't. Um, like, I, <laughs> okay. It looks like, um, it looks like me wanting to hurt your soul with like really bad, like words that are mean. not, mean. you're going to be mean. It's, it's like, I'm not trying to be me. I'm not going to like talk about, um, I'm not going to like talk bad about how you look. I'm going to like use <laughs> the fact that like one of my superpowers is like seeing into your soul and I'm going to try to damage it. <laughs> if I, yo, you went, if I know that one of your you values, <laughs> if I know that one of your values is like courage, I'm going to call you a coward. If I know, you know what I mean? Like it's like that. It doesn't happen very much. But, but that's what that's what, I, that's what don't that's don't, what wants, don't walk away from that's it. That's what Own wants it. to come out. That's what wants to come out. And every and a couple of times it has. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let me ask you this: How long does it take for pride to become shame? When 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 that happens? Ooh, great question. Like millisecond millisecond mm. it's like mm-hmm. it's like oh i got you on this one i'm gonna t- i'm gonna tip and then it's like oh man i'm mm-hmm. an asshole mm. is that true even for a stranger or is that only in connection to people you have relationship with that i that i do that that you have that um almost instant shift into shame oh no for sure for sure for sure for strange. like if i'm like um like if I'm driving and yeah. you walk in front of me and I like flip you off and start yelling at you about how you're terrible at for, you know, you're bad at existence. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I'll, I'll immediately be like, Oh shit, I shouldn't have done that. That's bad. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fair. That is fair. For another time uh, when we bring you back, I want to know the petty where you don't feel bad about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering the same thing. Like I wake up in the next I wake up the next morning with a yeah. smile on my face cuz of what I yeah. cuz of what I did yesterday. <laughs> exactly. All right, I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll I'll figure that one out. I'll tell you. Oh uh, man, it was it was so good to have you here, Jonah. Deep, deep, deep appreciation um, to you for taking the time to join us, um, for putting up with Shandine for all of these years. You know, you're a goddamn saint. I do what I can, you know. A god among men. <laughs> Quite frankly. I hate you both. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much for having me. This was a, this was a great conversation. <laughs>